by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Second Timothy chapter 2. This is Paul's last letter, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. He's writing to his protege, Timothy, his young spiritual son in the faith. And he says in chapter 2, verse 15, work hard so you can present yourselves to God and receive his approval. Now, I know if you're tuning in today with us, you value God's approval. You want to please God. You want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what you're living for. Well, I hope that's what you're living for. Because today we're going to talk about some truths that sometimes we let slip. And sometimes we lose our way. And I would ask you right now, wherever you're at, to evaluate your life. If Jesus came into the room where you're at right now, if, if Jesus came back right now, would you get his approval? Or would you be shrinking back saying, oops, I may have let a few things slip lately. I've lost sight of some truths. So he goes on to say, be a good worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Now, right in your home, wherever you're at, say word of truth. Because that's what we're going to talk about today. Correctly explaining the word of truth. Because that is key to who you are as a person. And why you're still down here on planet earth. Is to be able to correctly explain the word of truth. Not only explain it to others. But live it for yourselves. Now today. I know we're living in a society where. A good percentage of the people would say. Truth is subjective. And I thought about that, and I typed a Google search that said truth is subjective, and it took me straight to a, a website called askphilosophers.org. I wouldn't ever suggest that you ask a philosopher anything, <laughs> to be honest, but this is what they said on, on, on the page. It says a subjective truth is a truth based off a person's perspective, feelings, or opinions. <laughs> In other words, it's your truth because it's the way you feel about it. It goes on to say everything we know is based off of our input, our senses, and our perception. Thus, all truths are subjective. That's their conclusion, that since we filter it through everything that we've been through and we feel a certain way about it, that we can have our own truth. And somebody else can have their truth. And therein lies the problem. Everybody in America today has their own truth. And it's not working out very well, is it? Philosophers leave out this one important little truth. That there is an absolute truth. There is a truth. 
that we can rely on that never changes, never shifts like shifting sand. It is true yesterday, today, tomorrow. It will always be true. And there is a person called the word of truth, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, philosophers, I think they think it's their job to explain away God. Because that's how they spend all their time philosophizing about this is how it happened. But no, the word of God tells us how it happened. How important is truth? Do you like a shifting truth? Do you like being able to come up with your own truth? When I was about 11 years old, my daddy took me deer hunting. And because the week before I had used up all my 410 shells shooting at squirrels, he let me carry his big old heavy 12-gauge shotgun that he had loaded with double-off buck. I was very excited about that. And so he took me into the woods, and he sat me down under an oak tree, and he began to try to give me a lesson about how that little safety doohickey works. <laughs> kind of important. When you got a knobby-kneed 11-year-old sitting there with a 12-gauge shotgun loaded to the gills with double-off buck in his lap, he's trying to say, Son, I'm going to teach you a truth. Now, how many of you know that the truth about that safety isn't relative? Well, of course, he's telling me how to operate the safety so I don't shoot me or someone else. And I'm not paying a lick of attention. And I think that's what's happening to many of us today. You see, I had snuck some black coffee out of my dad's thermos. That's why I wasn't paying attention. I was just all gung-ho, excited to be there, and wasn't listening to a thing he had to say. And some of us are living our lives gung-ho, not listening to anything that our Father has to say. So, <laughs> he explained it to me. I said, yeah, 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 okay, Dad, go on, because I'm fixing to kill me a big old buck. And before he left, I said, Dad, why you got so much orange on today? He said, because of all these rookie hunters in the woods. And I smugly agreed. <laughs> He, he got out of there pretty quick. No sooner than he did, I raised up that big 12-gauge, and I was threatening all the squirrels. <laughs> I just knew pretty soon I was going to kill me a big old buck, but I didn't. In fact, a couple of hours later, I jerked awake with a big old puddle of drool on my lapel, <laughs> and I'd had a caffeine crash, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I had fallen asleep, and I was wondering, what are those deer tracks doing there? <laughs> But one thing caught my attention. I looked down in my lap and that big 12-gauge. Did Dad say that if I could see the red on the safety, that that meant stop, that it wouldn't fire? Or does the red mean fire? And I kept thinking and thinking. And I said, surely red means stop. Red always means stop. I must have accidentally clicked the safety off while I was sleeping. I didn't want Dad to come back and find me with the safety off. He'd want me good. So I just pushed that little button in the other way. And just to prove to myself that I was right, I reached down there and slipped my finger in the trigger housing and just gave it a little squeeze. <laughs> Boom! I felled a little sapling tree next to me. <laughs> Needless to say, I reached over there real quick and, and gathered the shotgun back up and my eyeballs that had come out and put them back in. <laughs> I could have swore. 
I heard squirrels chuckling. But, <laughs> but do you think it's pretty important to know how the safety works? Do you think the safety works according to how I feel about it? No. And truth is the same way. One day, it's going to go boom. And you better be on the right side of it. Can I get an amen? All right. So I'm just going to tell you some things as Christians that you already know today. But you may have lost sight of. And it's my job as a pastor to remind you of these things. So I don't feel bad about it. It's a very simple message, but it's a very profound one. I'm going to teach you three truths. The first one, there is a God. Don't listen to the philosophers. And he is the source of all truth. God has already declared what is good, what is evil, what is light, what is dark. You don't have to make up your mind about those things. They are written down for you. And you can know that what he says is truth. It's not, up, it's not open for debate. You know why? Because he's the creator. He's the sustainer. He owns the cattle on all the hills. He created you and this earth. It's his house. Now, if you come to my house, you come in here talking about, we don't eat meat in this house. We're vegetarians. I'm going to say, uh, excuse me. This is my house. We're finna throw some steaks on the grill right now. You hear what? I, oh, I got a big amen out of that. Because it's my house. And I make the rules in my house. And God has made the rules for this earth. And his son, known as the word of truth, known as the word of God, said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, chapter 6. Jesus explains the truth to us. That's all we need to know. We just say, yes, sir. Number two. Number two. There is a real heaven and a real hell. Jesus talked about them both. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. They are, they are literal places. One is a place of eternal life, and one is a place of eternal death. Now, you remember what I said? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is life. So one place is an eternity with life himself in the presence of God, Jesus the Lord of glory, where there's pleasures forevermore, where there's blessing, there's no evil, no crying, no darkness, no tears, no, no COVID, no nothing that, that tears down or breaks down, but there's life. But there's also a place reserved for the devil and his angels called hell. is a place of eternal death. Now, what is death? If it is not separation from life. And it is a place where you'll not enjoy life. You'll not have any blessings. It is a place that we read of weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. And it is an eternal place. It is forever. Now, if you go back to John 14, 6, you'll see that you don't have to go there. God does not want you to go there. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That if you'll put your faith in what Christ did on the cross, when he paid the penalty for your sins, you will be saved and forgiven for your sins, and you will be ushered into the family of God. And you will never see that second death. You'll never taste the lake of fire. I hope you understand that heaven or hell are real. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, John says, And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Life. What you decide about Jesus determines life or death. That's the judgment that you get to make. Do I choose life or do I choose death? Do I choose to reject? Do I choose to walk through the blood of Jesus and count it an unholy thing like it didn't matter to me? Or do I recognize the love that would hang on my cross and offer me a different path. So number one, there is a God. And number two, there is a literal heaven and a literal hell. And they're both eternal. In fact, Matthew 13, 40 says, Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear, you should listen and understand these basic truths. And then finally, the third truth that I wanted to share with you today. We will all face judgment before God. Now as a Many Christians, you may be thinking, well, well, wait a minute, I made my judgment. I said the prayer. I know I'm going to heaven. I thought my judgment, that, that I'm not going to receive a judgment now. Wait a minute. This is really where I wanted to get to because I understand I'm probably talking to mostly Christians today. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as each person is destined to die once, we're all going to die once, you remember I talked about a second death. We'll get to that. But we're all going to die once, and after that comes judgment. And it says right there, each person. That means every person. Many Christians do not understand that there will be the judgment seat of Christ. We get so caught up in our earthly pursuits that we're okay with just sliding into heaven with nothing to show but the earth-stained clothes that we're in singed by the sin of this world, trying to ride the fence, trying to get the most that we can out of the earth and think that we're going to get the most that we can out of heaven. But we will face judgment as Christians. And that's what I wanted to, to remind you today. 
it's really good news because that means God's also keeping records of all the good things you do so that he can reward you. To the, Christ, to the Christians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. And Paul goes on to say, because we understand our fearful, fearful responsibility to the Lord. Well, he's got a lot of confidence saying that, but do we really understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord? Or we, did we just say a prayer and think we got a ticket to heaven? And did we just go on and do what we want to after that? I don't think it works that way. I don't think when you, you confess him as Lord, you can just do without his lordship. The two don't even, that's not truth. Because we understand our fear, fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. And Paul says, God knows we are sincere. And I hope you know this too. He's saying, look, man, I'm not playing about this. I hope you know I'm sincere. We have a fearful responsibility because we are keepers of the truth. We have the words of eternal life that this world desperately, so desperately needs. And we're going to keep it to ourselves and for, forget our fearful responsibility to the Lord and live like the world when we've been set free from those chains and those bondages of sin. No, no, no. It's easy to think that's okay because we live in a society, in a Christianity that I see all around that projects what I call greasy grace. I believe in God's grace, but I can tell you it's not greasy at all. Oh, I love God's grace. God's grace and his truth is the, is the best thing in the world. But when we begin to try to make it something that's not, it gets greasy. I saw a devotional the other day, I, and it's not uncommon for me to read devotionals from different people and, and, uh, on my Bible app, and one of them said something along the lines of, there's nothing in your room that will make God not love you. And I thought to myself, I believe that they're inferring that maybe there's drugs in your room or pornography or, or there's other sinful things that you're doing in your life. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. God still loves you. See, the truth of the matter is God does still love you. But you're cheapening his grace. Paul said, should I continue to sin that grace may abound so that God's grace will be shown even greater? He said, God forbid. How can you go back into the bondage that I set you free from? God is not a robot, my friend. He has feelings. You have a real relationship with him. You want to receive his forgiveness and still live in the sin that he brought you out of? 
And you want to act like the relationship is, oh, it's good. There's nothing. Yeah, God does love you, but you are hurting his feelings. You are hurting your chances. You're hurting your witness. You are hindering yourself. The wages of sin is still death. And God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also reap. And you are not going to get God's approval on judgment day. And you're going to look back. Maybe you'll make it to heaven. But a billion years there, you'll say, man, what was I thinking? Why did I not live my life in a manner that would matter here on this earth? Paul's last resort to Timothy is in that same chapter we started with. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We were actually in chapter 2, now we're in chapter 4. Paul's an old man. Well, he's been shipwrecked and beaten and all the things. He's been stoned, but he has served the Lord faithfully. And now he's got this last letter that he's writing to his spiritual son. And he just wants to get down to the things that matter. I think Timothy's probably a, a pastor in Ephesus by now, I'm not, if I remember correctly. And so Paul, what we're about to read is Paul's basic last words to someone who means the world to him. You know, when I got saved in this church 20-something years ago, it was under Pastor Buddy Adams. He was a wonderful man of God. He could take these scriptures and he could make them come alive in ways that you'd never, never thought you would see. I got saved under his ministry and uh, not long after he had a stroke. The worst thing that could possibly happen to a man who makes his, to, who gives his heart to Jesus through preaching the word of God, he lost his ability to speak. And for months, he would get up behind the pulpit and, and try to preach, but he could not get his words and he would have to sit down and someone else he would have ready to preach. But I remember one time in particular, he spent close to 30 minutes he was so frustrated trying to get his words out, but he wanted his people to know something so bad. And he said, after 30 minutes, he was able to get out. God is good and the devil is bad. That's the only words that he could get out, but it was truth. He wanted to get to the truth. And you know, after two, maybe three weeks Suffering this COVID virus myself, quarantine, and I tell you, being in a mental fog, that stuff is stuff can be kind of tough on some people. It affects a lot of people differently, but all I could think about was getting back to this pulpit and telling you that God is real. Heaven and hell are real. And that you're going to face a judgment whether you're saved or not. And I just wanted to come and tell you these important truths today. And this is the way Paul summed it up for Timothy. He said, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. 
be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. In other words, whether they want to hear it or not. It's not based on them. Your calling is not based on whether they receive it, but whether you preach it. Patiently correct. Rebuke. Encourage your people with good teaching. For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. You think? They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and carry out this ministry that God has given you. Oh, that we have a ministry from the Lord. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. He's got a crown laid up for you. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Why is it so important that we not lose sight of truth, of these truths particularly? Because there's another throne of judgment besides the judgment seat of Christ. It is for those who have rejected Christ, who will not be judged according to their works for the rewards in heaven, but for those who will be judged whether they earned heaven or earned hell. Revelations 20 verse 11 says, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. And the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I want you to know even the earth and the sky were ready to run from the wrath of God that is about to come on sinners. But they found no place to hide, not even the earth and the sky. And I saw the dead, both great and small. And it doesn't matter if you're the greatest king ever lived on the earth, but you're dead. He said, I saw both great and small standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. There are books there written of everything that you have done in your life. Every sin, every good thing. And then there's the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And we know that Romans 3, verse 23 says that we have all sinned and fallen righteous of the glory of God. Fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we're dead in our sins and trespasses. Without that infusion of life from Christ, we have no hope of heaven. And the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds. Do you want to be judged according to your deeds? Then death and grave were thrown into the lake of fire. 
And this lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You know, once I pulled that trigger, I couldn't get that bullet back. And there's people on death row all over America probably would give anything to have that moment back. To think about the truth and the reality and the consequences of their action before they pulled that trigger. And there's people that will be in hell for billions and billions of years who will look back and think, oh, but that I had responded to the truth. The stakes are too high. The stakes are too high to be staring down that barrel of indecision because it's going to go boom. And then in all that matters is the truth. There is a God. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And there is a judgment. And I wanted to remind you of these things today. The truth is, Jesus was willing to give his life to save you from your eternal destiny in hell. He was willing to lay down his life that you may be resurrected with him into a new life. And the truth is, is if you have received Christ, but you're not living for him, you're not living for his approval, you're hoarding the word of truth that you have and you're not sharing it and you're not living out your calling. The truth is, you'll be judged for that too. What we do matters. What we believe matters. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. Whether you're hopelessly lost and you know that you can't earn heaven, you know, you know if they were to open those books on you, you, oh my goodness, you don't even want to see what's in those pages. You don't want to stand before a holy God based on your merits. I want to give you an opportunity to stand before a holy God and say, I'm here but today because Jesus is the Lord of my life and he died on, on my cross. And I want to give you that opportunity to be saved. And for those of you who have lost sight of why you're here after you gave your heart to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to rededicate your life. To get back into that special place where life comes alive. Where you're making an eternal difference. Where the love of God is, is using you. Pray with me like this. If you're lost, say, Jesus, the truth is, I'm dead in my sins and trespasses, and I can't get to heaven on my own merit. I trust what you did on the cross. I trust your word that says I'm saved by my faith in you because of your grace, and I receive it right now. Just receive Jesus wherever you're at right now, and, and, and this is going to take you out of the darkness and bring you into a new kingdom of light.
This is going to change your eternal destiny. Reach out for Christ right now and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I will follow you. I will live for you. And if you have lost sight of your way, say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I kind of got caught up in some things, didn't I? But I thank you for, for always forgiving me and welcoming me back into your arms like I'm the prodigal son. I come running home, Dad. Put that robe of righteousness back on my shoulders and the, those, my feet, those sandals that have purpose in it. Give me my purpose back, Lord, that I may please you with my life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Before I turn it over to Brother Nicholas, because I love you so much, I'm going to give you a fourth truth, a bonus. You can't live this life that God wants you to live at the altitude that he wants you to live it without his Holy Spirit. Our flesh comes up short. Our flesh loses sight of things. You need to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And you do that the same way you just received your salvation or you received your rededication. You say, Holy Spirit, by faith, fill me. Let it be you in me, Christ in me. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Empower me to overcome every obstacle and circumstance and to stand on the mountain and to declare these truths to this generation that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.